I am definitely interested in knowing where is the farthest that you have traveled from home? Like, have a few people shout it out. I can barely see you. I can only really see Craig because of the color of his shirt. Everybody else is kind of a blur. So what's the farthest you've been traveled? Somewhere, someone over here. Germany, beautiful. How about someone in this section? Czech Republic? Beautiful. The motherland, Africa, West Africa, Sierra Leone. How about over here? China? Taiwan, beautiful. That is amazing. We have truly been all over the world, and I'm sure there's lots of other different places that you have been. I have had the privilege of going across the country to different states. I kind of counted how many states I have actually been to. I think it's in the high 30s. I think it was 37, 38, somewhere in there. I've been to the Caribbean. I've been to Europe. I've been to England, Paris, and Spain, and Israel. And all of these were beautiful places. And I knew why I was going. It was usually for a vacation, or it was for work, or something like that. So there's a purpose usually for going on a trip and why you're going. Like I said, usually it's a much needed vacation or work purposes or educational purposes. But there's a trip that I took that I knew what I was doing, but I didn't know why I was going. And it was a missions trip to the Bahamas. I know that may sound odd, like you did a missions trip to the Bahamas, like who does that? But we did. We took a missions trip to the Bahamas, and I knew what I was supposed to do. I knew that I was supposed to paint. We were painting a school. I knew that we were going to do VBS. I knew that we were going to do street evangelism. We flew from New York to Fort Lauderdale and then got on a cruise ship to go to a missions trip. Something wasn't quite right. Again, I knew what I was doing, but I didn't know why. I was asked at the very last moment, this is a church that I attended when I was living in New York, someone dropped out at the last minute. They needed another adult, I had vacation time. I don't know how I had the money, but somehow I was able to go on this missions trip. I knew what I was doing, but I didn't know why I was going. I wasn't a part of the leadership team working with the youth. And like I said, it was the last minute. But once I got there, after taking the cruise ship to the Bahamas, within a couple of days, I realized why I was there. I had been a social worker in a maternity shelter in the Bronx, and I had been doing that for a number of years. And within a couple of days, I met this woman, and she was a single mom with three kids. And I had the opportunity to minister to her. And it was beautiful. And it's like, this is my purpose for going. This is my why. I knew what I was supposed to do, but I didn't know why I was going. And my time was not wasted. Because nothing is wasted when God has called you to do something. 
and God had called me to the Bahamas, even on the cruise ship, going there. That was a part of the journey. And I don't believe that Jesus wasted his time traveling when he went to places. He was, an intention, he was intentional wherever he was going to minister to meet someone in their time of need. And today I want to share two stories in the Gospels where Jesus did, not, did just that. They are specific places that Jesus went and he was intentional about the route that he chose. So if you're joining us for the first time, whether in person or online, you know that we have been going through the Bible through the different genres. And we are now in the New Testament in the Gospels. The Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are considered the synoptic Gospels because of their similar stories. And interestingly enough, if you're a note taker, because I know there's a few of you that like to take notes, 90% of the book of Mark also appears in Matthew and Luke. And the book of John is the only gospel written by a disciple of Christ, and 90% of that book does not, is not in the other books, which I thought was really interesting. But each of these books is geared towards a particular audience and a theme, which tells the gospel story of Jesus about his life his death, and his resurrection. So quickly, I just want to go through these just before I get to the stories. In the book of Matthew, it was written, the audience was a Jewish audience, and he wanted the first century Jews to see that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Messiah and in the line of David. The second book, Mark, was written to common Greeks. It was not centered on details, totally a book, that I would have written. Just give me the facts. I just want to know what happened. That would have been the book I wrote. It was the shortest book, but its mission on Jesus as the suffering servant. The third book was written to appeal to the educated Greeks, and he wanted to portray the figure of Jesus Christ as the savior for all people. It is also the only gospel that has a sequel, which is the book of Acts. And then lastly, the book of John. It was written to an audience of committed Christians that were already in the church. John was the only disciple of Christ who wanted to emphasize the divine status of Jesus. So let's transition now to the stories. I'm going to talk about the first one, which is from the book of John, where Jesus goes from Samaria goes through Samaria to meet the woman at the well. This is a familiar story to many of you. And he travels from Judea to Galilee. But let me give you the historical context. Why is this so important? First of all, there should be a map. There you go. Of the country of Israel, which is about the size of New Jersey. So it's not a big country. And if you look at the map, at the top you've got Galilee, and then you've got Samaria, and on the bottom you've got Judea. And the quickest way to get from Judea to Galilee was to go through Samaria. But the Jews did not like the Samaritans. Many of you are familiar with that idea. And the reason they didn't like them is because they saw them as half-breeds. 
they didn't see them as real Jews. So what they would do is they would travel up, and then they would go over to Perea, over by the Jordan River, go up Perea, and then back, cross back over to um, Galilee. Or if they were to do the reverse, they went around. They didn't even want to deal with Jews. The reason they didn't want to deal with Jews is because back in 1722, when the Assyrians took the Jews into captivity, they were repopulated. And they were repopulated with people from other nations. And so there was pagan worship going on. And so there was intermarriages going on. And they didn't want to have anything to do with these people. So they would go around. Matter of fact, they hated them so much, they didn't even want help when the temple was rebuilt. Like, no, 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 we don't want your help. You don't serve the one true God, and you're like, you're not even real Jews. That's how much hatred, and the fact that they would go around. But Jesus wasn't in the business of going around. Jesus was in the business of going through. So let me pick that up, that story up in John 4. It says, so he left Judea and went back, went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in, will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't be thirsty, and to have to keep coming here to draw water. Let me just take a moment before I move on. Jesus' approach is intentional. He offers what she needs first, which is the living water, which represents the Holy Spirit, the continual presence of the Holy Spirit, the continual presence of Jesus. So Jesus is looking towards the future as he is speaking to her. He knows she has a thirst for a relationship with God, which is what truly satisfies. Let me go back 
to verse 16. Because then he deals with the behavior. He told her, call your husband and come back. She says, I have no husband. She replied, Jesus said to her, you are right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands and the man you're now and the man you are you're with now is not your husband what you have just said is quite true i'm not going to go on to the scripture so i'm going to encourage you to read it to the end because that's where jesus declares who he is as the messiah the messiah everyone's been waiting for so why is this significant why does this even matter the intentionality of jesus going through Samaria. First of all, Jewish leaders did not speak to women. Him asking her for a drink was seen as ceremonially unclean. Like you did not do that. Like she had cooties or something. You would never do that. You would never ask a Samaritan for anything. Secondly, Women normally would not come out in the heat of the day. They are normally going to come out either in the morning or in the evening. Nobody does that. Nobody comes in the middle of the day to draw water. So it was unusual for this to happen. But Jesus had a divine appointment with her because he didn't go the routes that most Jews would go, which is around, to avoid the Samaritans. And thirdly, the woman was thinking superficially when she's thinking about this water and this supply of water. And it's just physical. But it's the living water that will well up and bring eternal life. So Jesus shows amazing patience with her as she begins to put her faith in Jesus, who is inviting her to trust him. So there was a purpose of Jesus going this route, there was his why. He knew what he was doing, but he also knew why he was going through Samaria. Jesus went out of his way to meet this woman there to introduce her to a new way that would satisfy her because she was trying to find these satisfactions in relationships, and she wasn't finding that. He doesn't judge her. He doesn't make her feel guilty. He gave her the facts of her situation. He told her the truth. But he was offering a gift that she did not even have to earn. She was a Samaritan, a woman who had five husbands and living with someone else. But that didn't stop Jesus from meeting her where she was at. Later in the text, she tells the story of a man who told her everything that she had done, which encourages others to follow Jesus. Because Jesus became enough for her. She didn't have to chase anything else. Jesus became enough for her. So the second story is from the book of Luke. And behind me should be a map of the Sea of Galilee. Now, I don't know if anybody's been to Israel. The Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles long. It's a beautiful body of water. They call it a sea, but it's really a lake. So Jesus goes from one side to the other side. And the reason he does is because there is a man that is possessed by demons 
on the other side. So historically, I mean, this is, this is a pretty big lake, 13 miles long, eight miles wide. The Sea of Galilee is 600 miles below sea level. So you, it's surrounded by, by mountains. So the cool air from the mountains, the warmth from the sea, these squalls and these storms would come up out of nowhere. And that's the, that's the beginning of the story before he gets to Gerasenes. So I don't know if you have ever been on a, uh, been to the Sea of Galilee. I have been and I have seen the boats. There should be a picture of a boat. That's a typical first century boat. We're not talking the cruise ship that I took to the Bahamas. Okay, this is a first century boat. So I want you to imagine this boat traveling 13 miles. I believe Jesus was probably in the area of Galilee, Capernaum. The, literally the exact opposite is Gerasenes, where he goes to uh, minister. So let me read, starting in Luke 8. So it says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came up on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and he was calm, and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked the disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who who is this that he even commands the winds and the water and that they obey him? Let me explain something before we get to the second part of this scripture. Jesus is intentional with going to the other side of this lake. First of all, in this passage, this miracle that happened is the first miracle that's recorded in Luke that does not involve a person. It showed that Jesus had the power of God over nature that God had demonstrated in Exodus. Even with all the miracles the disciples had witnessed, maybe they thought, "Mm, these miracles, they're for other people. But I'm not sure what he's going to do for us. But Jesus had the authority to calm the sea and to rebuke the wind and the waves on command. That is power. That is authority. And it showed the deity of Jesus. So when the storm is raging and Jesus is sleeping on the boat, they are totally looking at their circumstances and they're freaking out, which is normal. I'd be freaking out too. But what was the reason that they were even going? Jesus said, Let us go over to the other side. Let us go over to the other side. He knew they were going to make it, but they had doubt. Because deliverance was coming to a man in Gerasenes. That was the intention. That was his why. He knew what he was doing, but he had a why also. So let me finish reading the story in Luke. Luke 8. So they sailed to the region of Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. 
When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had worn clothes, had not worn clothes, or lived in the house, but he had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell to his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of this man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken the chains and he had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he responded, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let him go into the pigs. And he gave them permission. That's authority. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs. And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. Again, I would suggest you read the rest of the story because this man is a living testimony to what Jesus can do. He wanted to go with Jesus, but he was told to go tell everyone in the village what Jesus had done. So why is this important? Why is this significant? First of all, there's a recognition of who Jesus was and his authority with this demonic man. Jesus also asked an interesting question. What is your name? Because your name was tied to your identity and your character. And the man said that his name was Legion, meaning that there was a legion of demons in him. And a legion back then meant 6,000 Roman soldiers. That was a legion. That was the amount of demons that were in this man. Thirdly, this man was regulated to the outskirts of town. So no one knew what to do with him and avoided him. And Jesus deals with him without even flinching and provided the deliverance he needed. And lastly, there was a distinctive before and after with this man. The before, he was isolated, he was naked, he was living in the tombs, he was chained, he exhibited this self-destructive behavior. But the after picture of this man from Gerasenes. He was clothed, he was in his right mind, and he was sitting at the feet of Jesus. He was healed holistically, physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, and spiritually. Those are the two stories. Before I conclude, let me just think of just a few thoughts that I have in this message. So, why did he even go? Jesus was on his way intentionally to have this divine appointment with the woman at the well so she could tell others. Jesus goes, secondly, Jesus goes out of his way to meet the man of Gerasenes who had been written off by everybody else. The entire town but he gets to share what Jesus has done. So how did he go? 
He crossed the region by foot, and he crossed the lake by a boat. Not a big boat, a little boat, a little first century boat. And who did he see? He saw a woman who was not satisfied with her life and offered her living water, offered her eternal life. And he also saw a man who was demon-possessed who needed holistic healing. I'm going to have the worship team come up before I finish. Where's the hope in all this? Jesus knew why he was going, why he was going through Samaria, why he was crossing a lake. And Jesus is interested in meeting you no matter where you are at. Jesus defies what's expected because the Jews did not go through Samaria. The Jews went around. This man who was banished to outside of town, nobody wanted to deal with him. Jesus confronts him head on. Has the authority to confront him head on. Jesus is not about avoiding the challenges that people are dealing with. He invites you. He wants you. When I thought about this message about a month ago, over a month ago, I couldn't sleep one night, and I knew that God had given me something to talk about. I knew that this message was for somebody, someone who may think, I don't know, I've gone a little too far with my behavior. I don't know, I'm a little too unstable for Jesus to, to help me. I don't care who you are, who you are, Jesus has come to deliver. Jesus is in, the, is in the business of redeeming. He's still in the business of redeeming. He has not forgotten you. And you, you might be thinking, well, that's not my story. Yeah, I, I haven't been, I didn't have five husbands. I don't think I'm demon-possessed. I don't care where you are. I needed a savior at 33 years old. I needed a savior as I was living my own life. You need a savior. Pastor Steph needed a savior. She was like saved in the womb. You know her story. She needed a savior. I don't care where you're at. Admitting that you need a savior. Believing in Jesus Christ. Confessing your sins. That's what it takes. Jesus is inviting you to take that step. Whether you're here or you're online, Jesus is inviting you to take that step. He will go wherever to meet you. That is my heart. My passion today is to tell you God is in the business of redeeming. No matter what you have done or where you have gone, Jesus loves you, he cares about you, and he wants to live eternally with you. It's just a matter of you accepting him as Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Father God, you are... You are amazing. You are a God who will go anywhere to meet us. And I thank you, Father, for that. 
I thank you that you are willing to go in the depths of our sin to meet us, to let us know how much you love us, that you will go anywhere. You will go where it's uncomfortable to meet us. So, Father, you have given me this message to share. And, Lord, I feel like there are people that are out there that need to accept you, that need to say yes to you, but they're afraid. So I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help them to see the love that you have for them, that you would overpower them with your love right now. You are in the business of redeeming. And Lord, we are trusting you for that. For anyone whose eyes are open, whose ears are open to hear you and to see you this morning. And we will trust you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name.